The following is a presentation of the Retro Network. Ladies and gentlemen, the Retro Network proudly presents to you, in association with the House Show Crew, a little morsel for your Monday. Answering all the questions that you send our way. So no more lollygagging, let's take on the day. Welcome to the running. Welcome to the running. Welcome everyone to your Monday morning coffee. It is I, as always, Mr. Maddie Treats, and we are here on the run-in, which is the inception of wrestling podcasts. We are presented by the Retro Network, which is presented by Fun.com. Of course, click the link in the show notes, say 15% off one item from Fun.com. Uh, so on today's run-in, I'm actually joined by the educator of excellence. Just kidding. He's not here, guys. Uh, I am joined by the Mast Library, Kevin Hellions. Kevin is also not here, um, so I, I got to—I re- feel like I got to rebuild DX. And when you do that, you look to your heart, you look to the click. Ladies and gentlemen, Mister Crone Meltzer is joining me on this Monday morning. Crone, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. As always, a pleasure to be back here on the House Show, and I cannot wait. To break down a spectacular AEW pay-per-view. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Crone and I here, we are your resident AEW pay-per-view breakdown crew. Uh, Of course, we are going to be talking about AEW's full gear. Uh, A fun show, uh, I I have to say. I mean, we are recording this literally on the heels of the main event. Uh, it just got done maybe five, ten minutes ago, and uh, I'm I'm excited. You know, these shows that AEW is putting on, uh, they, they seem to be finding their sweet spot, and they're pretty consistent with how good they are. I would I would definitely second that. Coming off of a a really strong all out, you could argue this card is one of the best cards of the year. Looking at it from top to bottom, we had Omega and Hangman, which has been a story that's been going for months now. We had Cody versus Darby, which is a callback to over a year ago. You also had the Young Bucks and FTR in a dream match. You had the Sammy Guevara-Matt Hardy match, MJF Jericho, which is a dream match, and then Moxley, Eddie Kingston, and an I Quit match. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it wasn't. I, I thought this card was a very deep card. Um, a few of the matches I thought sticked out, and I knew they would be good. Um, but I, I can't wait to discuss it with you. So, uh, so let's get started. Um, did you happen to watch the buy-in at all? I watched bits and pieces of it. I didn't catch it like fully. I saw that Serena Deeb retained her title and I saw Thunder Rosa come out afterwards. So it looks like they'll be setting up a rematch somewhere down the road. I'm assuming on AEW TV. Yeah, that was the only, that was the match was, um, Allison Kay taking on Serena Deeb for the, NWA Women's Championship. I thought it was interesting that the the match itself started at I think it was 740 
and they said it had a 60 minute time limit um, <laughs> for the match. So I thought maybe, hey, maybe next time just do 20 minutes. You know what's what's left before the pay per view, but it is what it is. Uh, of course, Thunder Rosa does come out uh, after Serena picks up the win and sets up that, and then we go right into our main show. Um, a few things about AEW that they're really, really have have gotten really, really good at is the video packages. Um, it really gets you hyped for the event. Each each match has basically a video package that goes with it, and they are so well done now. Um, it, it's fantastic. Uh, what, what did you think of you know the opening? Were you excited after you saw these packages, all that good stuff? I'm glad you brought this up. I thought you might because I know you guys, um, whether it's during the Halloween Havoc series or the In Your House series, are very critical of the intro videos and just like you i loved it i thought the intro video was great one of the things about the intro video that i actually found funny was that their long-term booking is so good that the promo package had fans in it building up that uh, omega and hangman match so uh, kudos to AEW. i totally agree they're getting better at those video packages i'll be honest with you i don't think they're like peak attitude era stuff yeah i don't think it's like anything like incredible but they're definitely getting you hyped up for it and they're only going to get better at it yeah and we get started with a banger of kenny omega taking on hangman adam page uh, this is the finals of the tournament to decide the number one contender. And we get Don Callis on the call. So we get a four-man booth for this because we have Excalibur, JR, and Tony Schiavone. And by the way, happy birthday, Tony Schiavone, on your birthday calling the event. Uh, and Dan, Don Callis uh, hops in for this. Of course, Callis with the Winnipeg connection for between him and Omega. Uh, you, what did you think of this match? This, I think, when you look at the card top to bottom, this you knew was going to be good if it was given the right time. And it is really good, but it didn't kick really into high gear, in my opinion. I, I absolutely second that. Um, I watched the match with some of my friends, some of my buddies, and one of my buddies brought up a really good point that I think stuck out. I don't think there was enough near falls in the match. It just didn't feel like there was like an urgency for the match to be over with. I liked the ending sequence. I liked Hangman trying to fight off the one-winged angel, fighting off Omega's hand, um, and Omega sliding under the buckshot. You know, there was there was a lot of good stuff in the match, but I'm going to be honest with you. I was expecting this to possibly be match of the night, and it was good. It was a good match. Don't 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 get me wrong, but I don't think it was close to match of the night, in my opinion. Yeah, no, um, it felt like they held back a lot for what will eventually be their next match, which I think will be, you know, uh, headlining a pay-per-view, in my opinion, if I was booking. But um, that will be, you know, it, it just felt like a great starter match, like it would have been good in a series of matches. Uh, of course, when you have, you know, Omega and Hangman, you're going to get a good match because they're, they're both phenomenal uh, wrestlers. So it was good to see great action. Like I said, um, what do you think about Kenny winning uh, next for Moxley? Probably at uh, Revolution. Yeah, that's what it looks like. The ending in a traditional match is Kenny apparently came out and stated at the end. Um, I mean, it makes sense. 
you know, Kenny Moxley is one of those money matches. I know they had it last year at Full Gear, but it's one of those alluring matches that's always sitting there. Thankfully, unlike WWE, they don't just go out there and have three or four or five encounters, you know, back to back to back. AEW slowly builds it up, gives it time, doesn't give away those big matches like all at once in a cluster. I think second time around, this will be a a great match, and I think this will be where we see Kenny Omega finally take the strap and potentially down the road leading to the match you were discussing with hangman for the title. Yeah, that's, that's just how I would book it personally. Um, but we will see how that goes. Um, so we follow up match number one and, and I think too, that was a good opener, um, to really get people into it. Um, and they didn't have to go over the top with it because it was the opener. Uh, we did get a quick little thing. Uh, this, I think it's Tuesday, uh, mm-hmm. AEW games. Are you excited for this? I know you are a gamer who's excited this week, of course, for the release of the Xbox and the PS five. Um, so what do you think? What do you think this game's going to be? I'm, you know, I'm probably in the same boat as you. I'm interested to see what style they choose to go for with this game. You know, is it like a, is it a WWE 2k where it's like a simulation fighting experience? You get a fire pro wrestling with that, like, you know, um, not the highest quality of graphics, but like that in-depth, like style and all that stuff. I, I can't wait to see what they do with it. And I think, I think it's only good for the brand because it's only going to help them grow. If you can get a game, I think it's impressive that they have a game in and of itself. You know, the company's what, just a little over a year old to have a video game. I mean, that'll be great for them. Yeah. I'm hoping that we will see that released next year would be my guess probably maybe a year and a half two years down the road but uh next year would be awesome around you know holiday season for a game um but anyways match number two of the night who has become your favorite i think is john silver number four (laughs) taking on kevin hellions's favorite in orange cassidy um, what did what did you think of this? I know you probably had this match listed as one of the most uh, one of the matches you were looking forward to the most because I know you have become a big mark for John Silver. <laughs> that I can confirm. He is the stuff he does on BTE and that's you know transferred over to Dynamite has been just fantastic in my opinion. He's a great not just a comedy wrestler but you know as a tag team wrestler having debuted last year as a part of the Beaver Boys with Alex Reynolds as a jobber team and then slowly transitioning into the Dark Order. I'll I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what to expect out of this match. I know Excalibur made mention to a match that they had in Beyond Wrestling last year, which I thought was a nice little shout. I had not seen that, so I was unsure of how this match was going to go. And I'll be honest with you. Matt, I thought this was a sleeper for one of those match of the nights. If if the tag match wasn't on the card, and there were some really good matches, but I'll tell you what, these two guys put on a really impressive showing, in my opinion, and Silver looked great in the end, even in defeat. This card, when you go through these matches, you really wish you had a full arena. Oh, don't get me started. Because I think this match would have gone over a lot better. And the tag match, the tag match would have been gone over huge um with 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 a full arena um and then of course the main event i think would have been even bigger than what it was but uh so yeah uh, orange cassidy gets the win here 
Uh, what do you think? Where do they go with them? Orange Cassidy has a lot of stock. John Silver's the 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 new toy, if you will. You know, he's the he's the the rising the rising star, if you will. Orange Cassidy. I mean, I don't even know who he feuds with. You know, I mean, Darby Allen and Cody are tied up in the whole Team Taz ordeal and everything like that. I mean. AEW, if there's one thing they're good at, it's finding a direction. Maybe, maybe a feud with Miro, built off of the the best friends and you know the better best friends, I guess, feud. But I'd like to, I'd like to see more John Silver in singular singles action. He held his own in there. That that single-handed gorilla press, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, you are a silver marker, so we'll say. I that. sure am. We'll say that. Um, after match number two, we get the, um, Cody Darby Allen video, and that goes right into match number three on the card, which is Darby Allen taking on the nightmare, the American nightmare, right? Is that what it is? That is no Cody. Don't forget Cody Rhodes. It's Cody Rhodes. Finally for the TNT championship. Darby Allen wins this one. Just what a match this was. This is another good, good match. Of course, a lot of psychology with working over the arm here. Um, what do you think of them flipping the title so soon to Darby? I think it was the best decision possible because I don't think you can have Cody run through what I would consider to be like the AEW built guys, like a, um, Orange Cassidy. You know, he beat him for the title or to retain the title. Uh, he's already beaten Darby Allen. He beat him in that TNT, the inaugural tournament, to crown the champion. I think you had to put one of these AEW original quote-unquote guys over at some point. I think now's as good of a time as any. I think maybe they did it to eventually build to a you know third match somewhere down the line. Because if I recall, their first match went to a time limit draw at Fight for the Fallen, I think it was. Uh, before they started on Dynamite. But regardless, I, I like Darby Allen, you know, getting the title. And man, that guy's like a rag doll out there. He he just gets tossed around everywhere and bumps like crazy. The top rope crossroads was a sick spot. Darby Allen, I think he should be a future world champion. He is definitely AEW's version of Jeff Hardy. Yeah, Darby Allen, the way he takes bumps, um, the, the closest comparison I can get, and this could sound really weird, is Sasha Banks. Because they're <laughs> so small and so, you know, f- bendable, I guess, right, and, yeah. and flexible, pliable, oh, yeah. if you will. They're durable. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, it looks like they get murdered on every bump they take. Like when Cody threw him to the outside on the ramp um, with his arm behind him, it, it just looks brutal. Um, I, I think the win would have, would have meant more if Cody didn't lose to Brody Lee for that weird like month and a half, I think it was six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it was, two months where he just kind of gave the title to Brody Lee. And then he just, they, it seemed like they rushed and came back just because Cody had to go film that TV show or whatever it was. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from. And it's funny you say that because if you think about it, the only dark order member on the card tonight was John Silver. Which, go figure, you know, I mean, Brody Lee, you got Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, who are great tag team. I mean, it shows how loaded AEW's roster is. They really do have great talent top to bottom. Um, 
from here, it looks like we're probably going to get what maybe a Darby Allen, Ricky Starks feud with that post-match beatdown, which I'm a big Ricky Starks mark as well. I think he's got superstar written all over him. Yeah. So Taz comes out and, um, you know, he's, he's yelling at Darby Allen and Cody Rhodes cause they're showing a sign of respect. And then Brian cage attacks from behind. Ricky Starks comes out, attacks from behind. They take out Arn Anderson. Uh, they throw Darby through, um, you know, a piece of the folkier set, um, that's off to the side. And then they, they go and try to break Darby's arm, uh, with the car door. Cause Darby rode a car out and Will Hobbs comes out for the save. So I'm very interested to see how these, a lot of moving parts here. Uh, they even teased a Brian cage, rookie Starks feud over the, uh, TNT championship. Uh, but I agree with you. I think Ricky Starks is insanely talented like he jumps off the screen with his charisma more so than brian cage does in my opinion brian cage is obviously physically intimidating but as far as personality wise ricky starks is the star of that and it reminds me of when we were doing the in your house series and seeing the rock chew up all the screen and you see it just jump off the screen with how commanding of a presence he has when he's out there i i totally agree with you i actually feel the same way the exact same comparison it's like a young rock but the one thing you touched on that i really wanted to elaborate that AEW is super good at you talked about them teasing that brian cage ricky starks possible feud for the title and i noticed this on dynamite this past week while watching it they had the sammy guevara and ortiz versus mjf and wardlow match and in the match sammy guevara is a face but he also has a side feud with matt hardy where he's a heel so there's these multiple layers to these stories that aew builds it's just it's refreshing to see because I feel like we don't really get that a lot in pro wrestling anymore. Yeah, well, when we get to the Matt Hardy, Sammy Guevara um, match, if you will, uh, we'll talk about that because the uh, yes. the the Sammy Guevara thing is a little weird. Uh, I, agreed. We'll, we'll talk about it. But what do you think about Will Hobbs? Where do they go with here? Uh I feel, see. I feel like he's already been in a feud with Brian Cage. They've kind of had one going on. Maybe a continuation of this feud. I don't think he goes for the TNT title or anything like that. I think Hobbs is still a little bit, I don't want to use the term green. I think he's still too new to AEW TV to get like that really big push per se. I think maybe someone like a Wardlow would get it like ahead of him right now or a Hager. But um, him and Cage would be a nice little feud to get him some exposure out there. I think it'd be like a losing feud. And then who knows where he goes from there. You know, that'd be a couple months down the road. Um, so we follow match number three up. And this is what I thought was just really weird is that they cut to Dasha backstage who interviews the nightmare family and Cody was just in trouble and they didn't run out to save him. Will Hobbs came out to save him, but then they go to an interview, you know, it, and it didn't, I mean, obviously it looked like it was pre-recorded, but the way that they flipped it was it was kayfabe live. They were going right to it. I just thought that was interesting that they wouldn't just have them go to that interview later in the night um, to have it right after the segment where Cody's in trouble and Darby's in trouble and no one came out. Um, just kind of interesting, but uh, they're really pumping up dynamite. I mean, they announced three matches on the show for this Wednesday's dynamite. Um, of course it is, let's see here, the nightmare family or the is no, what are they? The nightmare 
the no, you're right. It's the Nightmare Family. Yeah, but what's their tag name? The the Natural Nightmares. Oh, or, Natural Nightmares. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah, is yep, QT yep. Marshall and and Dustin uh, taking on uh, the Butcher and the Blade in a Bunkhouse Buck match. Um, Ray Phoenix is taking on Penta, and then uh, Tay Conte is taking on Red Velvet. So, uh, I mean, not the best Dynamite card in my opinion, but the the Phoenix uh, Penta match will probably be hopefully if it, if it's given time off the charts. But I would expect that is probably used for Pac. Do you think that they are having too many Phoenix Penta matches too soon. Like what we were just talking about with pumping out like big matches or whatever. I almost feel like having two in what the span of three weeks, a month now, I feel like maybe they should have held back on that one, but that's their choice. Yeah. What I would have done is if, if they would have done it is we, I, I don't mind the, the, the Penta Phoenix uh, match. I mean, this is only the second one that they've done since, you know, obviously it's the second one in a, in like a month, but um, I, I don't see them going to the well that often. Uh, it would have made more sense to me to have the Nightmare uh, Naturals, Natural Nightmares, whatever they're called, uh, challenge Brian Cage and Ricky Starks to a match for Dynamite. I agree. I'm a bit. I'm a big fan of Team Taz. I I really like that. But that I know Brian. that they do have the um, the the storyline with the bunny leaving, which wasn't on Dynamite. All of a sudden, she's just with the Butcher and the Blade one week. Like it just doesn't. Um, it, it, they have a lot of storylines going on, which is great. Um, but I feel like, like you said, there's a lot of layers, but a lot of times these layers don't get paid off on dynamite. You got to watch everything. So you got to watch dark, uh, some stuff on BTE, like stuff like that. So, uh, me, I only watch dynamite. So I miss a lot of, you know, that other storyline stuff. L- luckily it's not, it's not their high level or top tier storylines. It's more their mid tier and lower tier stuff, but still you're not getting everything. Right. I think once they get that, what that second show, that'll be like an hour long. I think that may help them. I don't know if they plan on that being exclusively like dark where it's just matches or maybe like some BT stuff thrown in there or whatnot. But I think once they get that, I think it'll help. So hopefully we can get fans back sooner than later. It's crazy to think like dark will have like 55 matches. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. They're like two hours now. And if you think about it, probably without commercial breaks, it's probably longer than dynamite. Yeah, it, exactly. And I mean, I get it. It's good for the talent to wrestle. You know what I mean? Especially with, you know, not as much stuff going on because of the pandemic, but man, for when you see 14 or 15 matches, it's even intimidating for me to want to sit down for a couple hours and watch let's be honest, glorified squash matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we followed that up with match number four on the night, which is Nyla Rose uh, with Vicky Guerrero taking on Hikura Shida for the AEW Women's Championship. Uh, this, probably the worst match on the card, uh, yep. was just kind of thrown together. Now, don't get me wrong, though. I think Nyla Rose and Shida actually have pretty good chemistry together. Um, out of all of the Nyla Rose matches, the ones with Shida are the best. But it just, this match was thrown on the card, it seemed like, last minute. Um, and it wasn't the best match. The women's division here, really not that great. The NWA women's division is better than the AEW women's <laughs> division. AEW women's division is the second best women's division on its show. Yeah, I would I would, I would would second that. I think, I think the problem these ladies have is they're arguably two of the, the better workers out of you know the rest of the female division it's the same it's like a trish and lita 
from 2003, 2004. You know, there, there's just not enough like top tier female talent. And this is what you're left with. Cause I, I fit and I know that they've wrestled at least once before, but I feel like I've seen this match a hundred times between them. It just feels like it's the feud that'll never end. Yeah, they, um, of course, AEW really got, you know, really hurt with the pandemic because they couldn't bring all of the Japanese talent that they had in. Um, and then Chris Statlander got injured. Yeah, um, so that it, was, hurt big. it was a string of just bad luck that hit them, and they just haven't figured out exactly what they're doing. But there really hasn't been, they haven't dedicated any time to really developing the, the women's division, in my opinion. Um, obviously if they can, if Thunder Rose is a free agent, they can sign her, get her on and actually have her in the AEW portion of the women's division instead of the NWA stuff. But really the NWA women's match was better than this match. Did you, did you catch Vicky Guerrero pulling out, who was it? A Colonel Robert Parker completely like just missing Sheeta's leg there during the match too. Yeah. Yeah. Vicky, Vicky wasn't that good. Um, just it was really um, some sloppy work in there, but um, at the end of it, the Vicky Guerrero chewing out Nyla Rose. So, yeah. where do you think goes there? I was, you know, I was surprised that Nyla didn't turn on her right there. That would be your prototypical, if you want to say like WWE. That's what would happen. Um, I think Nyla Rose probably. The problem with a character like Nyla Rose is there's only so much you can do with it. Does she go on a losing streak or does she just destroy the division? You know what I mean? I feel like it's either one way or the other because the division is so top heavy and you know how good she is. I mean, who does she feud with from here? Maybe maybe a big swole or someone like that. That could be that could be nice. And Cheetah, Britt Baker, I guess, because I mean. It seems like they only have four women. <laughs> yeah. Um, I Abaddon. thought they were gaining some momentum with Penelope Ford. And then they just have her really being a valet for Miro and Kip. Uh, I, you know, I thought she was she was doing really well. Uh, like you said, Britt Baker, um, she has her moments where she looks really good. And then she has her moments where she doesn't look so good. Uh, and then, of course, the educator's favorite, Abaddon. Let's get her on there. Yeah, I agree. I heard, although I heard a couple of weeks ago, she had a really bad injury in a match that was supposed to air on Dynamite and ended up getting cut. So hopefully she gets back to, she might be back to 100% for right now. I'm not too sure, but I hope she comes back sooner rather than later because she's an excellent character for that division. She is just what they need. Yeah, no. Um, and then we move on to match number five on the night, of course. Ah, yes. Uh, the dream match, uh, which is the Young Bucks taking on FTR. And I'm going to go on a limb here and say match of the night. Yep, easily. Yeah, uh, this match is fantastic. I enjoyed every, every um, second of it. Uh, great storytelling. The callbacks to the other tag teams when you're seeing their finishing moves is fantastic. Um, you know, little touches, the, uh, the Lakers colors versus the Boston Celtics colors was, was an interesting little touch as well. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed this match. Fantastic wrestling. I know, uh, the educator didn't get to watch it live and I know, uh, Mr. Hellions was watching it, but just couldn't make it onto the show because he had to go to the vet's office, but the, um, I sent them a text message that said, fantastic. That match was incredible. Just, I loved every second of it. I just wish once again that there would have been a full, full boat, a full uh, arena to watch it because people would have been going nuts for it. 
I I rated all of these matches. I gave them each their own individual star rating for my own personal pleasure. And I gave this one four and three-fourths of a star, just short of five stars. I thought it was fantastic. The one one big thing I wanted to talk about was uh, Dax bleeding from his hand. I don't think I've ever seen any wrestler bleed from his hand. I don't know if that was accidental. I don't know if he had a blade hidden in there or something and accidentally nicked him and cut him. But that was that was a little worrisome there for a little while. It got me a little squirmish. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how he cut his hand. I know he got thrown into the uh, post on the outside, and those posts are squared off. They're not rounded. Do you think they should be rounded? I mean, no. I mean, it's whatever they want to do. It doesn't bother me either way. But um, that that's the only thing I can think of is that uh, maybe he cut his hand that way. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything online um, that has been to the obvious. We haven't seen um, photos or anything like that. So, But I think maybe the idea of having a blade in there, um, may, and he nicked himself, could be the right call. I One spot I did like in there after that was actually Dax going over to the doctor and the doctor taping him up right there in the middle of the match. I thought that was a pretty cool, you know, little touch from them. Um, the ending was great. I thought the ending was fantastic. That barefoot super kick, Cash missing uh, a springboard 450, pulling out a, a, a giant flip, which I've never seen FTR do before. So that was phenomenal. This obviously leaves the door open. you got to imagine they'll have, some form of a series of matches or there will be another match at some point in time down the line this was the one everybody looked forward to it definitely lived up to the hype but reiterating you know your statement from throughout the night it would have been a lot better if there were fans there well i think that's just pro wrestling pro wrestling would always be better if there's a lot of fans there um where do they go so the young bucks of course win the tag titles um who do they take on next i i say Without any, you know, guessing or anything, I'm just pure speculation. I would say either the Lucha Bros or the Dark Order, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson. I think one of those two teams would be the right call to get a push up there and potentially take the belts from them. Yeah, I'm curious as to where they go. Of course, you could do FTR because the next pay-per-view is not till February. So, and it's late February at that, so you could go with the rematch, um, but I, I don't see that. I'll be very curious as to who um, who they have lined up for their next feud, for, for both teams, really. Um, I think FTR probably, um, you know, maybe they go and just destroy Private Party, and then they're back in the race. Um, but I, I'll be very curious to see, but yeah, just a fantastic match. Uh, if you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. Um, and then we get into Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. I think it's called the ultimate deletion match. Elite deletion. Oh, elite deletion. Yes, got to throw the elite in there. It's weird because you give it that branding of the elite deletion, but it didn't feel like that. It felt underproduced to me, whereas those other ones were overly produced. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think you could tell it because if you really broke the match down, 
the the first like two or three minutes of it there was no commentary at all and it was almost just like quiet them going through the woods you know no monologue or anything like that and then the announcers kicked in so i'm wondering if they realized a couple of minutes in like hey this is going to be better with commentary so you guys should call it which i do think was the right call if there wasn't commentary i do think it wouldn't have gone over as well there is a ton of stuff we can go over from this. I loved the cameo by Gangrel. I thought that was fantastic. Um, private party showing up. The the just bizarre and like I don't know if they killed Sammy Guevara or what what they're doing with him or you know because we saw this earlier this year with the AJ Styles thing where uh, the Undertaker buried him alive, quote unquote, and he came back like no mention of it, you know, nothing really. So. I don't know what they do. AEW is pretty good on continuity, but I don't know how you play this one off. Yeah, I'm not sure. This match, too, feels like a feud that ended a while ago, and it, they mm-hmm. just had it to do it. Obviously, they had the big accident at the last show, um, yep. so they kind of just threw this one on. Um, yeah, no, I really like the stuff, obviously, with Gangrel and Hurricane. I thought that was funny. I was really hoping that when they threw Hurricane into the Lake of Reincarnation, he would have came out um, as three count, as, yep. as, as his boy band uh, gimmick, but that was not the case. Uh, but no, I mean, the action is good, but I feel like we've seen the cinematic matches. This one just didn't feel too produced, whereas the ones that we are used to now have been overly produced. Um, and to be honest, this was kind of a thumbs down for me on the show, especially coming off the tag match. It was like, why is this even on the show? Like, let's get this over with. I'm not into, I was not personally into it. Which is disappointing because I was looking forward to the match, but I 100% agree with you. I was underwhelmed by this match as well. You could go back and look at the stadium stampede match, which was 10 times better and that's you know the over the top corniness that's in there and all that stuff and there was that in this match don't get me wrong but I agree with you just didn't have that like like there's a there was a ring in there uh, in the middle of the forest or whatever that they used for like two minutes and then like everybody else was wrestling in it while they were on the outside like there was a lot of stuff that was hit and miss with this one I, I, I agree with that yeah and one thing too AEW has been doing is and this has just been a commentary I think that people have brought up all the time is their pay-per-views are super long oh um, yeah you know they're four hours long this one was technically three and a half um, if you don't include the pre-show. So uh, the first half hour of the pre-show is just promo videos, and then you get the one match. So if you started watching at 7.30, you're talking a four-hour show. So when they're throwing this stuff in, um, you know, they threw in the ultimate deletion match. Uh, no offense to John Silver, Orange Cassidy, but that could have been on Dynamite, um, and you could have built that up. That didn't have to be on the pay-per-view. Um, you know, there's eight matches on the card. You could cut down two of them or one of them, save a lot of time. Also, too, they did have some random things in there. Uh, case in point, the Lance Archer, Jake Roberts promo. Oh, yeah. What's the point yep. of it? Why is it in there? Um, you could save a lot of, you know, not a lot of time, but you could save, you know, five minutes by not having to throw to that. Um, also, too. Uh, that leads into our Chris Jericho MJF video, and then we get match number seven, which is MJF versus Jericho uh, for MJF to be inside the inner circle. Uh, not inside, but to be part of the inner circle. Uh, MJF wins here. 
um, through nefarious means, if you will, you know, outsmarts Jericho. Um, so w- what did you think of this match? I enjoyed it. I am a another homer for MJF. You know, I think his heel work is fantastic. Um, I'm also not going to sit here and say, though, that I think he's the best in the ring. I feel like there's just something missing in his matches. I can't exactly put my finger on what it is exactly. Um, he he has some nice spots in the match. The ending was great. It, it's nothing with him. It's just one of those things where I don't know if I'm going to be able to see enough from him where he's capable. And maybe this is unfair because this is today's day and age of wrestling. But I just don't see him putting on like a five-star match. You know what I mean? I don't see that like technical prowess or that like aerial assault like any of that stuff he's he's good in the ring he is good but he's he's not like over the top great at anything in the ring in my opinion i I feel like he's more cody rhodes than kenny omega where cody's not athletically going to give you a five-star match but psychologically he will and i feel like that's going to be what mjf's really good at I, I could I could definitely see that. I agree. Cody, I feel like for that stuff to happen, though, I feel like you have to have the right story. And I don't know how you feel about this, but I feel like the whole story for this match, because this is, again, one of those quote-unquote like dream match type things. I feel like the story to this was, it wasn't the best that it could have been for an MJF-Jericho match. Like, if MJF wins, he's in the inner circle, like, does Jericho want him in or not? If he wants him in the inner circle, why not just let him beat him? If he doesn't, then why the hell would he want him to be in the inner circle? In the end? You know what I mean? Like, it's just one of those weird stipulations. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a dream match, personally. It wasn't like one of those matches where I wanted to see it. Um, and it does feel like it was really rushed to get to this point in their feud. Um, you figured MJF and Jericho would get along, say... And have like a loose alliance to even why would MJF want to be in the inner circle is another thing too. Um, but hopefully those questions get answered. Uh, you know, you know, I really like MJF. I mean, the way it looks like is Jericho will eventually turn face. Um, and MJF will be the heel. Whether MJF's idea is to infiltrate the inner circle and break them up. Or uh, I can just see Jericho going with Sammy Guevara and both of them being faces because, you know, a week earlier at Dynamite, Sammy Guevara was the face in that tag match. And then you get to here and he's really a heel. There's a disconnect there. It's like they had to finish up that storyline with Matt Hardy to move on to the next Sammy Guevara thing. I, you know, that that's a fair point. I, I didn't even think of it that way. There was, in their mind, they didn't have that finality with Matt Hardy, but it's kind of like you were saying, the tail end of one story leading to the other. So, and they, like I said, they've already teased Sammy being the face in the match with MJF. So obviously there will be some dissension in the inner circle. It'll make for good TV. I'm excited to see where it goes. That's what matters. Yeah, and then we get a little preview for the next pay-per-view, which is Revolution, which will be on two twenty-seven twenty-one. No more leap year. If the world makes it uh, (laughs) uh, to then. And then we go into our main event of the evening. Of course, we get the video for Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley. And then we get Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley in an I quit match for the world heavyweight championship. Uh, What did you think of this? I quit match. 
when you know when you hear an I Quit match, you're thinking submission classic, and this went in a different direction. I mean, you say that, and that's fair, but I'll think of like a like a when you say I Quit match, the first match that pops in my head is Mankind versus The Rock, which was known for its brutality, and. Last year at Full Gear, we had the Omega and Moxley lights out match, which was an absolute, you know, hardcore, pretty extreme match. And this year they upped it again, you know, pulling out alcohol, the barbed wire again. Um, There was a lot, a lot, a lot of brutal spots in the match. Eddie Kingston taking a fistful of thumbtacks and hitting John Moxley in the head and getting those thumbtacks stuck in his skull. Uh, I, I was gutted. I'll be honest with you. I was gutted when Kingston lost. I, I may be a huge mark for John Silver, but Eddie Kingston is the man that won my heart over most recently. He has been on fire. I would have loved to have seen him get the title. I can understand not giving it to him. I, I do. I know you want to build the Moxley and Omega, but damn, I think that was the perfect storyline for Kingston to get his hands on the title. Yeah, I've really enjoyed what they've been doing with Eddie Kingston. Um, it felt like, you know, they had Eddie Kingston come on. They, it was going to be like a one-off or two-off, and it was just he was so good. He took the moment, and he talked so well that they decided to extend the feud. And uh, it was like, hey, why don't we go ahead and, and do this? Yeah, it was a very brutal match. Um, some really great stuff. Eddie Kingston with a mouthful of blood um, mm-hmm. is fantastic. Um, curious where they go. Uh, with this, um, because if you remember before the pandemic, um, the death triangle was yep. was the Lucha Bros with Pac. So is Pac going to try to take them and then it'll be Eddie Kingston with the Butcher and the Blade um, as a team? I think that may be a more apropos route to go. I, I always felt that the Lucha Bros in with the family with Eddie Kingston was kind of an odd pairing. Um, Eddie Kingston, you know, being their mouthpiece would be phenomenal. Eddie Kingston is a phenomenal talker. And going back to your point, I think that was the thing that drove the story behind me for Eddie Kingston, too, was the backstage stuff of knowing that, you know, he was only supposed to get that one shot against Cody Rhodes. It was that open challenge just type thing. And then he worked his way to a contract. And then he kind of like didn't get eliminated from a match, which I don't know if it was planned or not, but ended up into the world title picture. Now he's main eventing a pay-per-view. I mean, let's be honest, that that's some fantastic booking for three or four months. And let's be honest, there's no way they would have ever had this match planned in the beginning. You know, that's just on the fly booking of knowing what's hitting and following through with it. And really giving people a chance to shine who deserve that spotlight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, of course, I think that sets up, you know, we got Moxley versus Omega. Of course, Omega came out at the end. Um, and I think in between, because that pay-per-view is so far away, uh, is going to be Lance Archer um, waiting in the wings because they did bring up Lance Archer as well. So a lot of moving parts going on in AEW, as they always do. I'm curious as to what happens with Eddie Kingston, where he goes from here, and where do they position him? Uh, because, you know, um, Educator doesn't see him being a main event player um, because he's one of those people that's not going to give you a five-star match. 
I I understand it. You know, Eddie Kingston works to the strengths of this type of match, uh, a gimmick match, if you will. So I can definitely see that. But I'll tell you this, with the gimmick, gimmick match in play tonight, world title on the line, I think Kingston was right at home in this. He looked like every bit of a main eventer and deserved to be in that spot. Yeah, it makes me want to see an Eddie Kingston Derby Allen match. I could see that for the TNT title. That would be a phenomenal feud right there. I agree. That'd be great. You know, um, but, you know, I feel like that would be awesome. I don't know. I don't know why that that sticks out. But, uh, yeah, I I think that's going to do it for us here. Uh, Full gear, though. Do you enjoy the show? Fun show? Yeah. Thumbs up, in my opinion. You know, like we said, we had you had Moxley Omega, Orange Cassidy, John Silver was good. All the title matches were good. And if there's one match that I think you and I would both recommend for people to go out of their way and watch, it would definitely be that FTR Young Bucks match, which lived up to the hype. Yeah, absolutely. FTR Young Bucks was my match of the night. It was a pretty... Uh, pretty good show. You know, Moxley, Eddie Kingston was very good, too. Uh, different. It's a different presentation on professional wrestling, but excellent. Uh, a lot of heart and passion. And uh, you can you can feel how much it means to them. So... Really appreciated everyone's work tonight, including your work, Mr. Crone Meltzer. Always a pleasure having you on the show. Anything you want to say to the people out there? You know, same thing as before. Um, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity to come on here. I love hopping on, talking wrestling with you guys. Um, And Kevin, there's a Young Bucks match for you right there as well. I told you, the Young Bucks are doing stuff. They are... They are one of the best tag teams in the world. So I, I told them that too, but no one believes me. Um, so, of course, follow us on Thursday. We are covering Halloween Havoc 1995, which is probably the most famous Halloween Havoc because there is a monster truck sumo match on the building, on top of the building, where, I don't know, the giant may fall off the side of the building. Um, it is a fascinating pay-per-view to watch so watch it get caught do you up. think it'll be better than this pay-per-view well i've already that that episode's already in the can so uh no comment you have to see where it lands on our top list stern stern but fair yeah I'll yeah wait. it was not um yeah that's it that's all i got for you guys thank you for joining us on this monday morning Go, if you haven't already, I don't know if you're going to be able to, go get a PlayStation 5 or an Xbox One X. Yes, enjoy. You're getting one, right, a PS5? I got both. I got both going. Oh, so, nice. Very, very you enjoy. I will enjoy. Me and my wrestling buddies will be paying, uh, be playing Little Big Planet coming up here. So, all right, guys, that is it for The Run-In. Peace out. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.